Listener Production. A big Thursday edition of the Footy Talk podcast. We talk about Zach Merritt having to play 200 games down at GMHBA Stadium and mine and Jones's experience about leaving there and heading straight to Thirsty Camel. Coach sackings, leaks and sources, local footy v AFL. Plus, Nate Jones does a redraft of our 2005 draft list. One through ten. Heaps coming up. The Footy Talk podcast. Footy Talk time for your Thursday, the 13th of July, if you can believe that. And in studio, first time I've had the pleasure of working alongside this great man, Melbourne fans know him as the 302-game superstar, Mr. Nathan Jones. Welcome. Thanks, Daz. Nice to be here. Nice to be here with you. It is good fun. with Ab, and I've done one with Joey, I reckon, but it's nice that we uh, have reconnected. Yeah, we have, and uh, we were just discussing an under-18s grand final at the MCG. Oh, and, don't remind me. Well, not for that part. The fact that... <laughs> The city end about 50 metres out, I ran into you and I was sore slash winded slash wheezing for the next 10 <laughs> minutes and I think you just bounced off like, what happened? I don't think, and not in a bad way, you were this size when you were about 15. Yeah, 100%. You I'd, were a big lump and yeah. I was a skinny little boy. <laughs> you were a skinny little boy, but the difference in that grand final, I'll never forget it. I have this like fond memory of, I reckon I was sort of running behind you as you picked up, might have been your fourth shot at goal, snap right foot. We're heading towards the boundary and it dribbled through and I look up and you, that was your fourth goal. And I'm like, oh, I think we're done here. That's it. Give Slam Power's going to take the win and the Danny Nong Stingrays have to lick their wounds, but it was good fun. It was good fun. Obviously, playing on Grand Final Day was an absolute treat. Uh, shout out to your mate River Sheeny too, who tagged <laughs> me in that game. I'm not sure what he's up to. Uh, one of the biggest stories of the week is Zach Merritt playing game 200. Now, that's not a big story for the fact he's playing 200 games. He's been very good. But the fact it's a GMHBA stadium, which is half complete, the Bombers have a big crowd and a big fan base, the Cats have a big fan base, why isn't this played at the MCG and isn't GMHBA stadium a place where elephants go to die? Oh, my God. I've got horrible (laughs) memories from down there. I do agree. In the context of this week, this game, both clubs where they're at, it's 100% should be played at the G. Um, I don't know who makes that call, but... I, I think there almost has to be a threshold with Geelong's opponent, like from a from a fan base yep. perspective, that you know if the, if you are over that, that we go and maximise that crowd at the G. But unfortunately for him, I remember I played my one fiftieth down there. We probably lost by about ninety hundred <laughs> points. But um, yeah, it is particularly at the minute without the without the stand down that down that one end. It's um. It is a little bit of a graveyard. I never played there at the Pies for that reason. We had big supporter base and we refused to go down the highway. <laughs> and then when I got to the Blues, of course, we got sent down there too often. Two memories. One was the final game I played. Gave a bloke my jumper, walked in, said thanks, and jumped in a limo with 15 <laughs> mates and pissed off out of there. And the other one is the Thirsty Camel as you turn right out of the stadium. Oh, yeah. It's about 100 metres on your left. Yes. Every time you go down there, you get beaten by 100, which is just a rite of passage. So you may as well have a couple of stubbies um, and sit in the passenger mate, seat on the way home. So many times I <laughs> had pulled in there. Well, well we lost by one eighty six down there, two thousand eleven. Oh, well, I can't even remember what, the score. One eighty six. One eighty six. Sorry, yeah, and the I can't even Is remember that the, the 37, score. Thirty seven goals eleven they'd kicked. Yeah, <laughs> and we'd oh, I can't remember what we kicked, but and you look at the stat line like all of their star players at the time. This is when Geelong were really good and Melbourne were on our way to being really bad. Geelong have been annoyingly good for a bloody long time. Absolutely. I think that's um, 
Ah, oh, look, it's obviously not all about Geelong, but I, I admire Geelong so much as a club just for their sustained period yep. of consistency. You know, and as you know, winning premierships isn't easy and backing them up isn't easy, but their ability to be able to regenerate their list over a long period of time and remain competitive. Yeah. Like, so many times, even in the last few years, I'd written them off like, ah, oh, they've got to be done I did now. that last year. Too old, too slow. <laughs> exactly. oh, won the flag. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> um, and they're, they're sort of thereabouts again this year. Like I feel like they're a bit of a smoky, oh. funny to say that, but um, like particularly off the back of winning a flag. But they are, I feel like they are a smoky and they gain some momentum in the you know the remainder of this season and they're, they're a big dark horse, I reckon, and can compete with, any of those top four sides. Do you subscribe to the fact that apart from them, the rest of them are just making up the numbers? We're talking about all these chances to play finals and there's eight teams. I don't think they run within 100Ks of the Pies, Port Adelaide or Brisbane at the moment, those sides that are making up the numbers. Yeah, I think those three in particular are standouts. I'm not, I guess, as negative as Melbourne, even though, and and that's not any bias either. I think, you know, their game is in relatively solid shape, so I, I would put them in there if they can find a way to generate some accuracy with their scoring. Um, you know, I think people are sort of alluding to personnel, but for mine it's more of an efficiency thing, like they yeah. have kicked Enough five scores. fifteen the yeah, week before against exactly. the Giants, and and uh, it was pretty similar a week or two before that yeah. against the Pies. So you know they are creating opportunities enough inside fifties, but it's just their method once they enter. I think if they can get that right there in that conversation, you know, outside of that, I think Essendon and Adelaide their best is is good, but uh, the question mark is can they produce yeah. that and the consistency of that. So really outside of that, I think you know it's the experience and maturity of Geelong and that's why I say I think they're a bit of a dark horse they gain some momentum and some consistency continuity with their group yeah they're probably their system the way they play can challenge any of those sides on the Melbourne point of view if Clayton Oliver comes back at any stage between now and the end of the season do you persist with Petrarca forward yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, you were there on Saturday night? Yeah, yeah. I was there the other night and I thought it was the right move. I actually did it, did the game for seven in Alice and asked Goody about, you know, the fact, would you consider it? I so, think. Hang on. So are you taking credit for this? I'm not taking credit. Did you plant the seed with Simon Goodwood? I planted the seed, but I think a lot of people <laughs> planted the seed. Um, but. Yeah, and it was it was awesome to see because I think when you see him play forward, like for mine, I think if you get that balance right, I think he stu- should still play in the midfield. He's too good not to. But yeah, you, know, you watch him the other night. Yeah, and it's he was very hard. I even talked to my brother. Like uh, he, he's obviously at the Saints and played the other night. He said, "Mate, we just didn't have a matchup for him. Like you don't know whether to go with him in the air or stay with him on the ground. And and you know if you fly across third man, he'll stay down. He's just too smart, too quick, too big." But yeah, I, I would. Absolutely, I would. I think that's the right move. Well, that's going to be an interesting one going forward. Uh, what about coach sackings? Stewie Jew, the big talking point of the week. How many coaches did you uh, have yeah, sacked I'm in your very, time? I'm very well-versed. Uh, in this. I, I became well-versed late in my career. <laughs> uh, not so much at the start, but um, later on. Well, I think I ended up with seven or eight across oh, the journey. Not sackings. That that was including guys that the stood interim. in. Um, the interim guys. But So that's you know equates to at least three or four. But yeah, it's it's an interesting one. I've you know, it's hard to kind of comment, you know, with any kind of strong conviction not being there. And and from where we sit, you always just value it on win-loss. Yeah. And ultimately, that's how – that's why the game's so brutal, right? Like, he might be doing a hell of a lot right, but in the end, it's the key stakeholders that, you know, are really just looking at that record and, you know, whether they play finals and – I don't know. It's a, it's a tough one. I think for mine, it's just the how it has come about. You know, it's kind of leaked like a sieve 
out of there. Which is always interesting because is, journos have to have ins at clubs. Either clubs or managers is my take on this. And leaks seem to – oh, and, and most of the journos, if they go with something, you almost have to take it as fact that they may not be predicting the future but knowing it's going to come. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's – I guess that's probably my biggest red flag about the Suns, right? Yeah. Like, you know, they make the call on Stuju whether he can take them to the next level. But I think culturally you look at it and you yeah. think, you know, for what they're trying to create, everyone's aspiring to be, you know, a top four side and yep. play finals consistently. Like that there, you need to find the rat or find the mole or find the leak, however you want to put it, because ultimately that can completely, and you would have experienced it yeah. as well, and I absolutely have, can completely erode everything that you're trying to build and create. And you know, inside a footy club, when you're particularly under pressure, you know, you need everyone to stick together. You need everyone to bunker down and and commit to a direction and a plan and a strategy to, you know, see your way through those difficult times. I think if, if I was to look on the flip side, you know, how Carlton's probably handled a disappointing year and now that may not be disappointing. They may actually push for a spot in the finals. Don't get seduced by the mate. Don't, don't go down <laughs> this path. The, the way they've handled it, yeah. you know, it hasn't by, imploded so yeah, much. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, I think that's, a, that's probably my number one concern. It's interesting. It sort of opens up the books as to who does next. And there's an obvious choice there. It feels my feeling is without any understanding, just an opinion would be they've almost made the jump to be the front of the queue kind of thing with yeah. with a hardwick as such. So, you know, even that will be an interesting watch to see whether he's willing to, like that's a big, big job, bigger than what, you know, what confronted him at Richmond if, uh, if you know, his thinking was, is this a rebuild? You know, I guess Gold Coast, for instance, you know, they, they've obviously got the list and the talent, but they're they're even further back. Yeah. Uh, I reckon it'd be interesting to see whether or not this forces the hand of a few other clubs. So Chris Scott out of contract down at Geelong, Kenny Hinckley as well. Yeah. It'd be interesting to see if they all panic a little bit now and go, right, I think uh, Port Adelaide's on record as saying they're not speaking to Kenny until August, which gives the Gold Coast Suns about... Is that 18 days to figure it yeah, out? Yeah, right. But, uh, it'll be interesting to oh, see. Oh, that will be so interesting. Like, Because right now, Port, the surely they're knocking down Ken's door what? saying, how, how many? Oh, well, 100%. <laughs> like, and that's the that's the interesting thing with footy, right? Like, um, I, who knows what internally their expectations are. But from where we sit, I'm like, sign him up. Yeah. He's got them. He's got them in the palm of his Correct. hand. And that's the hardest thing, and is to get the, the players to play oh, for you. mate. And they are playing for him 100%. They're, they have, they're the biggest bolter. I had them out of the eight. Well, and especially after they started zipping free. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this is before the season. Yeah, I thought yeah. they're done now. I don't I don't think they can get there. But, mate, they have, that's been an incredible turnaround. And it would be off the back of what his and his assistant coaches are coaching, the system, and they've got it right. So, yeah. And they're, they're even the, the Chris Scott one, like, yeah, well, has he been there too long? But then it's like, well, they won the flag, flag last year. <laughs> Oh, it's like it's, it's a stupid game because if the players are going well, it's all the players get the credit and the assistance. If the coach is, if you're losing, it's the coach. The oh, coach mate. is shit. We and need they to get the bullet straight yeah. away. And that's the yeah, and that's that's what I was talking about before. That's the brutal nature of the sport, right? Like you, you win some, you lose some, but ultimately that record is what. That's how your fate is determined, and it's and it's at times it sucks. Like I still remember thinking back to Dean Bailey. We, I think Melbourne finished. End up finished 10th that season, but off the back of that 186 point loss, we jumped and we snipped him on the Monday. Like, and it's like we're actually going pretty well. Like, only yeah. 
within the month before that, we'd beaten Sydney at the G by 90 points or something. So it's like, it's no, there's no linear line to success and there's a lot of steps forward and multiple steps back to become solid and consistent over a long period of time as a club and as an organisation. So I think if you were to look at the history of the game, those clubs that have have done that, backed in their people, backed in the direction and the strategy, generally they've found a way to come out on top. And that's there's so many recent examples of that. Well, Dimmer was one of them on the chopping block about to have his paper stamped and then won three in four years. What about local footy? From one end to the other, you've been playing down at Mount Eliza and this comes on the back of, I opened up the Herald Sun app before and saw Tom Morris is in hospital after playing Vaffa 2s. I heard this. Went back with the flight. They uh, said it was similar to the Jordan Lewis and Jared Harbrow incident. Oh. Broken cheek, broken nose. No. <laughs> one, do you enjoy playing local footy more than at the big level? because I've done it and my answer would nearly be yes. Yeah. Apart from the thrill of running out in front of the crowd, the fact you walk off, win, lose or draw. And Mate, it doesn't even <laughs> feel any, to be honest, it doesn't feel any different other than that. Yeah. Other than you're not rolling out at the G in front of 50,000, 80,000. As soon as the game starts, like you're back in yeah. just doing what you love kind of thing. It's like, I was always of the perspective, nah, I'll never go back and play local. And then I did the Carlton draft, played over it. Port Arlington, and even we got flogged that day, but I had a great time. And then a few mates, and and I have a lot of connections at at uh, Mount Eliza. That's where I grew up, yep. junior club, all that kind of stuff. I was like, oh, I'll come back for one more. <laughs> and then literally I played that one game, and I was like, I'm coming back again. <laughs> I saw yeah. the scenes from that, mate. You are a god down there. <laughs> there will be a statue of you. Oh, in there. that was um, that was one of the well, and it's funny because and it, there's a bit of irony in it, the fact that you know they wear Melbourne colours, they sing the Melbourne theme song, and like that was one of the greatest renditions of a grand old flag I've ever heard after the game. Like we're in this tiny <laughs> little room, only as big as this. There'd be 150 people crammed in there holding, hanging by the rafters and beer going everywhere. And it was just a great, like, I think that's the one thing I, I'd maybe lost that perspective a bit playing in the AFL, like just what community footy means to the community and to the people and even to the players that are down there committing to that and wanting to be a part of something successful. Like, I think that's the thing that drew me back in, like not being involved in that environment. I just loved being back in that environment again, like having a good time, having a beer, having a laugh, having a kick. Like, yeah, it's, um, I can see myself playing again. Although the second, <laughs> I played that second game and tore my quad in the oh, second no. quarter. So I've been, um, I've been out rehabbing. I don't know if you could call it that anymore, but rehabbing that quad. And I might, um, I might pull them on, you know, in the next few weeks. I think I might come down and watch <laughs> you in that one. Hey, can very... we get you across? What's that? Come, yeah. Oh, no, it's There's past, big... the, it's oh, past the, uh, yeah, the, the, tra the transfer. Yeah. Uh, the big, big start by you. This is, of course, the Footy Talk podcast, your daily dose of footy, the latest news, interviews, and analysis from the world of AFL. After the break, we will preview the big game tonight between the Swans and the Bulldogs. You're listening to the Footy Talk podcast. If you want to get involved, send us a message on Instagram at footy talk underscore pod or TikTok at footy talk pod. And we do have one of these questions that I'll pose to you to round out the show. But the big game tonight, massive game, is the Swans hosting the Western Bulldogs, SCG. Sydney in 15th place. Their coach is 300th game as coach, which makes him 500 total, a nice even 200 as a player. And the Western Bulldogs, who are seventh, holding onto a spot in the eight. What are you expecting? 
is this a big danger game? Oh, I think the dogs form like they're pretty impressive against the pies. There you go, twelve and, points. Yeah, and I think they've been pretty consistent over a period of time now. I, I think their form stacks up. Oh, you know, Sydney. I don't know really. It's they're a hard toss to of catch. a coin to yeah. yeah to 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 know what they're going to bring. Um, I'm going to have to say the dogs, even though it is in Sydney, even though there is the milestone for horse. It's yeah. I, I think the dogs form midfield. I think they can get it done. You can't really look past the Swans being in 15th on the ladder. Played off in a grand final and didn't really show up that day, but 15th is 15th for a reason. Absolutely. You're not going that well. Dogs 7th, if they win this, not cementing their spot, but just keeps them at bay from that chasing pack. Yeah, there is a there is a little sort of group of chases that are coming. I think that's, what's, that's what makes it even more important for them and – you know, I think that's uh, well, that's the joy of the competition, really. Like that's what we want coming towards the back end. That every game has high stakes, and I think particularly for the dogs, this one is high stakes. Just to you know, crack a little bit of air, and um, and I'll, I'll obviously get back on the winners list and continue to build belief in their form and system. I, I dare say, you know, with the form that they have shown, albeit off the back of last week's loss with the Pies, they would have walked in pretty positively in terms of overall how their game looked, and and we'd be pretty confident they can get the job done again this week. If they don't get it done, they then come up against the Bombers who are in 5th, the Giants who are in 10th, and the Tigers who are in 12th. They are currently a game and a half clear of both the Tigers and a game clear of the Giants, equal points with Essendon. So this is a massive, massive month. Massive game for them, yeah, Massive sure. month, massive game for them. Jamara Hagen. Yeah. Um, love. Love him. And I love the fact that he's actually now evolving into what we thought. A lot of criticism and... For whatever reason. Undue for mine. Like, undue criticism. Oh, 100%. Like it's, People just pile in because he's a high draft pick. Yeah. It's, Understand uh, the big blokes take time. It kills me every time. And, um, you know, you, you only had to watch him and you could see the early days I'm talking. Yeah. You could see the natural talent. And you knew, you could, watching that, you knew, yeah, it's it'll take you, he's got to grow into his body. He's got to understand how to move and create space. And, mate, now he's like, vice-like with his hands. Like there's not, not many defenders can defend him on the lead. His ability to take a pack mark, beautiful set shot at goal. Like he's got a lot going for him. I mean, like probably their number one forward right really now. now. Overtaken Norton too, which is a big task. Yeah, which is huge. So uh, credit to him. Uh, uh, the fact, uh, I think, again, that's a, another reflection of the kind of character he is to have dealt with that level of pressure and just – continue to chip away. And I think credit to the dogs as well for the way they managed him. Absolutely. It was in and out with some VFL form, but that's never seen as a negative from Clubland perspective, just continuing to try and allow him to evolve and grow. And and now you're reaping the rewards for being patient and, and you know, I guess you know, teaching him the right way. And he's uh, repaying them in a big way. Uh, it's funny that people think that going back to the VFL is such a bad thing. Like when we started, it was pretty much if you had lasted more than a month, it was a miracle. Yeah. Like it was almost like you get in, you get your opportunity, you'll play three or four, and then you'll probably be pissed off. A hundred percent, man. Whereas now people are like, oh, he's a number one pick. He should be playing every week. It's like, and particularly in his position, like yeah. it's different, you know, when you look at some of these high draft picks that have come as a mid or half, high half, half back. Oh. Like that's, that role is so different for, you know, someone like Jamara's an 18 year old to come in and play on someone like a Stephen May who's, you know, Huge hundred plus kilos and yeah. like veteran, veteran, yeah. and then to hold down a position where he's got to compete in the air against multiple guys that are going to come and chop off like it's just it's unreasonable 
the expectation we place, particularly on young keys. Um, and I think, you know, that's probably for me a highlight in terms of the way he's been handled and developed. And, and now, like I said, you, you're starting to see the reward for, for taking that time and having that patience. Bulldogs for you in that one? Yeah, 100%. Bulldogs for me as well. We will touch quickly on Melbourne, Brisbane, just a tip because Joey and Nita will go through this one in more depth tomorrow. Dee's oh. winning or Brisbane? Oh. Brisbane are horrible at the MCG. They lost to Hawthorne earlier know, in the year. but I just can't. But they're going well. They are going well. And I can't help but bring my mind back to the final last oh, year. Yeah. And, you know, Brisbane are the one team that have the weaponry up forward. And I think the, I guess, the understanding of how to play Melbourne's defense. And you really have to keep, particularly Lever and May, yep. isolated. You can't be kind of caught rolling up and leading up and just let them drop and be involved. And they've got the arsenal to be able to, you know, I guess, uh, nullify their impact. It's And, you know, Brisbane, number one scoring team from turnover in the comp. Melbourne, number two defensive team for defending turnover in yeah. the comp. So it's just, it's attack versus defense. And they're both in the positions they are on the ladder for, for that reason. But I think Melbourne can get it done. Uh, like I said, I don't have as big a concerns around the offensive side of things. I, f- I felt like last week they looked a little bit better. I love the addition of Petrarca up forward. I think they can only there's there's only upside when you think about bringing an Oliver back in, but I I really enjoyed the opportunity created for other guys in the Melbourne midfield by pushing Petrarca forward. It allows someone like a Sparrow to bob up a bit more time for Viney to spend. You know, as Jimmy a, Jordan as Jimmy well Jordan, in there. Uh, as more more pure midfielders rather than just role players. Yeah, no, I like that too. I'll be going with the D's purely because it is at the MCG. As I touched on, we do have someone who's reached out to us for a question, so I will pose it to you. How did you personally go about handling a poor performance? Do you think it's harder now with social media as it's almost impossible not to see the negative things? Yeah, it's a great call. I um, would be lying if I said I didn't get sucked into it. I initial, I think, well, how I handled it as a youngster compared yeah. to how I handled it at the end. The end, it was like water off a duck's back. Like, yeah, yeah, correct. I've had it all I before. Don't, Couldn't I don't give really a shit. give a shit. Um, like, I know I can walk off the ground and I could evaluate like what I did wrong and where I could improve and... You know, if I missed a kick here and there and someone gives me shit about it, I don't care. Yep. Whereas early days, it was like, if you saw one comment, it was like you were sucked into this <laughs> vortex about- Let's find, like, where, let's they find live. where they live. <laughs> let's find- And then you all of a sudden you unearth, you unearth this whole like, oh, it's like it's never ending. And there'll be there'll be so many people laying the boots in and then it won't even be about that game. It'll be about the last game. And then you, like all of a sudden you're just on the floor like- Oh, I am the worst the- player in the history of the world. And on top of that, yeah. I'm the worst person yeah. ever to have lived. 100%. But I think that, that is a, that's, that's a genuine um, issue amongst players, just being able to navigate that mentally, um, yeah, particularly poor performance, because you are so scrutinised. There is so much opinion and it's free- People can just voice it anywhere on any platform. You can't escape it. Yeah. So I think it's um I think teaching players to really understand their role and acknowledging that inside the club is where clubs have made a big adjustment, um, particularly for guys that don't necessarily, you know, get the three votes or, you know, sit at the top of the, you know, dream team table or stats table that, that you know, they they get the acknowledgement from where they need it, which is in inside club land. And I think slowly the general public is starting to realise the value of those guys, right? Like guys that, you know, are performing critical roles for the system and the team to actually perform. But, um, yeah, for me, 
late in my career was just avoid social media, have a few beers or a glass of wine, <laughs> move on from a, a shit one. And, you know, I, I always had this sort of 24-hour rule, like win or lose. You know, I just enjoy it for what it was or I, you know, wallow in my own self-pity for 24 hours and then just, you know, back on the horse the next day. And before we wrap up, one more question, and I know you've done your homework on this one. If you had to do our draft again, we'll draft it in the same year and do a redraft out of the top 50, whatever it is, yeah. who are you taking? You can go in no particular order, but who are you taking? Who's surviving and who's getting cold? All right. So just for context, the top 10 was Mark Murphy, you. Good player. <laughs> Xavier Ellis, Josh Kennedy, Scott Pendlebury, Bo Dowler, Paddy Ryder, Jared Oakley, Nichols, Mitch Clark, Marcus Drum. Right. Don't know half of them. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm only joking. Um, <laughs> yeah, <so>. Not really. <laughs> um, so if I, I've gone through, and there's 75 picks with a handful of passes in there. If I, I don't have it in particular order, but I'm having the top 10 would be Murphy, Thomas, Kennedy, Pendlebury, Ryder, Higgins, myself, Shannon Hearn. Yep. Grant Birchall and Bernie Vince. So we say bye bye to Oakley Nichols. We say bye bye to Marcus Mitch Clark Drum and Marcus Drummer and Xavier Ellis. Oh, you pissed Zave off. Yeah, he was nearly best on ground in the grad. Yeah, like he's he's just outside. Top yeah, no, nah, piss off, Zave. <laughs> he can have it. There's a handful of other guys. Like there's some actually some really good names outside of that. No, no, you don't get Travis to Barco. You don't get to retract now and start buttering blokes. Matty up. Spanger did it, had a pretty good career. Sammy Gilbert from the Saints. Yeah. Yeah. I'm happy with your top I'm 10. I'm happy with my top 10, mate. Uh, very, very good. Jonesy, thank you very much. You've been a star today, as always. Tomorrow it is Joey and Nita on the Footy Talk podcast. Have yourselves a wonderful week. Listener.